How are you doing today? It's an exciting day. The Australian Open tennis final is today, and I am excited about it. Don't tell me what happened. I have it recorded. It's really good to be with all of you today, especially if you're a guest with us. We're really privileged to have you here today. This is the fifth week in our series called Reflect, where we're asking the question, who has God called the church to be? How do we be the church and reflect God? Individually, how do we reflect God as a community? What are we supposed to look like? Asking questions like, how does prayer work? How do we be about forgiveness? These are great questions to be asking. It's hard stuff. And we never stop asking ourselves these questions. They're like self-checks. How am I doing at this? What am I about? It's challenging. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Did he really mean that? We know he did because each statement Jesus made and everything he did ultimately pointed to his greatest act, his primary purpose on earth, which was his suffering and death on the cross and his resurrection. And as we consider what what it means to reflect Christ, we realize that Jesus says, carrying our cross is our primary purpose too. Let's read the scripture together. If you have a Bible, I just invite you to turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 23, or you can follow along in the notes page or on the screens. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross daily and follow me. Now you might be thinking, surely we are not talking about carrying your cross on the Super Bowl. This is supposed to be about endurance or winning the race or something on the Super Bowl day, right? This is Sunday, Sunday fun day. It's supposed to be Sunday fun day, Brandon, come on. And it is, we're, we're going to, It is going to be fun because we're going to talk about love. And as we gather together, we have fun. And love is challenging. So we approach being the church and we look at the way of the cross, carrying our cross. The cross, as Luther saw it, is the way to view a lens to view our life, the life of a Christian. It's the lens to view all of Scripture. The cross reveals the character of God. The great mystery is revealed to us on the cross. It's the way we see the character and God's full love. The cross is how we see how much God loves us. And as Jesus says in Luke 9.23, we learn how to turn from our selfish ways and love others. When my wife Stephanie and I moved here from Anchorage, Alaska to help plant Journey with Brian nine years ago, I was really excited. I had planted a couple churches before and had some ideas on what I wanted to do. We hit the ground running. We were building teams and being a part of God building his church. And at the end of the day, and plus it was Bozeman, I just hit the jackpot. And at the end of the day, I would drive home I'd pull into the garage, I'd go inside, I'd have dinner, 
hang out with my wife, maybe watch TV or read, and then have a few friends over. And over time, I got this sinking feeling like I was spending all this time doing ministry in Bozeman, but in my neighborhood, I wasn't making an impact. I wasn't making a difference. I'm building a church, and I'm not making a difference in my neighborhood. And I thought, if Jesus moved into this neighborhood, we might not know it right away, but he would make a difference. And as a Christ follower, I should be. Is this neighborhood better off because I'm here? Would the neighborhood people say that? But how do I do that when I'm already doing so much other stuff? If they're supposed to know us by our love, how do I love my neighborhood? The cross, it teaches us how to love. And while love isn't always fun, though it can be fun, it's always good because it always reflects God. Carl Sandburg is a Pulitzer Prize winning author and poet. And he wrote this poem. I think he addressed it to the church. He wrote, Take up your cross and go the thorn way. And if a sponge of vinegar be passed you on a spear, take that too. Souls are made for endurance. God knows. The thorn way, the way of the cross. Jesus says, turn from your selfish ways. So the first thing we learn about love is that it isn't selfish. We learned last week from the words of Christ, John 15, 13, that there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. That's the cross. Christ laying down his life so that all might be saved. Laying down our life, turning from our selfish ways, setting aside our wants for others. Maybe setting aside our plans or others' plans for us. The things we're selfish about, our possessions, our time, our energy, our money. The cross is a call to generosity in all things, unselfish generosity. Then skip down to Luke 14, 27. Jesus said, And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. There's no hiding. It's the cross. He says, Take up your cross. For some, it was a metaphor, and others, it turned out to be a literal cross. And the core of learning how to love like Jesus loves is learning how to take up your cross every day. This is what it means to follow Jesus, to set aside being selfish. He's really clear. Now, at first, that doesn't seem so bad. I don't want to be selfish. And I find that we often can do a decent job of doing that 
within our own families. We can do that with our good friends. But Jesus said, love each other as I have loved you. And who did he carry his cross for? All of us. Who's our neighbor? Everyone. Our enemy? Love them. That rude person? Have compassion for them. That person that hurt you? Do the hard work to have mercy, which means make your heart go out to them, we learned. Make your heart go out to that person that hurt you. It's hard. It's a cross. Do you want to learn how to love like Christ? Learn how to love unselfishly. It's this unselfish love that Christ showed us that we get to model after him in order to have the full life, fullness of life. And this answers the question, why are we here? As the church, what are we doing here? Personally, your purpose. Why are you here? Why did God place us here? And what is life and the church about? One modern theologian and author, Dr. Barbara Taylor, answers the question, why are we here? How does the church reflect Christ? Why, why does the church exist? Taylor answers it this way, saying, the church exists so that God has a community in which to save people from meaninglessness by reminding them of who they are and what they are for. The church exists so that God has a place to point people towards a purpose as big as their capabilities and to help them identify all the ways that they flee from their high call. The church exists so that people have a community in which they might confess their sins, their own turning away from life, whatever form of destructiveness that may take, as well as a community that will support them when they choose to turn back again. The church exists so that people have a place where they may repent of their fear, their hardness of heart, their isolation, their loss of vision, and where having repented, they may be restored into fullness of life. Fullness of life. What is fullness of life? One of the things I've been studying a lot lately is the early church fathers. Some call them the patristic fathers, the monastics, the desert fathers. Well, the early church fathers and teachers modeled their views after Christ. He's the great suffering ser servant. And to them, he pointed, Christ pointed to humility. That, it, that humility is the key virtue for the whole Christian experience. But hum by humility, they didn't mean the way we mean it today when we think of humble. It's nothing like the modern use of the term. For the early church fathers, humility wasn't about groveling before God or other human beings. It had nothing to do with being passive or being a doormat or glorifying having a poor self-image. It was certainly not a virtue recommended to women 
or to poor people so that they would just accept their place in society. Had nothing to do with that. Humility, for the ancient teachers, meant accepting ourselves and accepting others just as we are with our limitations, accepting our vulnerabilities, and major imperfections included. As it's showing that we are already equally valuable, that we're already beloved by God without our having to prove our worth, without having to prove ourselves by what we accomplish, by what we own, by what we do, or by our status in society. We don't define ourselves by any of those things. For the patristic fathers and for us today, it means that humility is slipping underneath this whole social hierarchical web of judgment by which we limit ourselves and one another to love. We do this in order to love and act fearlessly with power and the authority that God gives us, our identity. So that's a lot. It's, humility is not about being passive or a doormat. It's about accepting ourselves and others just as we are and who God made us to be, not by our accomplishments or what we do right. The concept of humility is grounded in the humility of God. It's grounded in Christ and it's perfected through the cross. God doesn't desire to dominate us. He proved it. He's on the cross. He's not proving his power and might over us, over human beings. He's not bending us to his will. When you invite your friends and your neighbors to the Super Bowl today, prepare yourself. Expect that they will not act perfectly. And you won't either. But choose to love. Choose to enjoy their presence. And be yourself and who God made you to be. Accept their faults as you hope they accept yours. And remember that it's God who's in the business of healing people, not you. He doesn't expect you to heal people. He's our healer. Christ was perfectly fine being around imperfect people. He didn't go around correcting people all day or judging them. Look for the image of God in people, not their faults, not imperfections. This is part of carrying your cross, learning how to love. And it's hard, and it can be painful. It can be really painful when other people sin, when we come up against their faults, we want to judge them. Everything in our culture makes us want to judge them too. We want to say, I wouldn't act like that. I wouldn't do that. How could they? Watching reality TV, how could, oh man, so bad. How could they? But instead, we are supposed to accept them and say, I'm not perfect either. I could have done that. I have done that. Instead of saying, 
I don't trust that person. I'm not going to extend trust to that person. We decide to love and trust and extend that. Accepting those who've hurt us. Which everyone will, by the way. Don't be surprised when someone hurts you. Oh, you hurt me? I'm, you know, how could you do that? You love someone more. The closer you become to them, the more they hurt you. Because they're hurting imperfect people. They're not perfect, and that's one of the difficulties. It's the cross. Let's look at what Paul says in Colossians 1.24. He said, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. And this is love, I am glad. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. As the church, we're particularly designed and supported by God through the Holy Spirit to take a beating. We are designed for that. Hurting people need to be loved, and we're the ones to do it. Dr. Dennis P. Martins, in his book, Adventures in Psychiatry, Social Change in a Mental Hospital, I think that's a hilarious title, he argued that the church is ideally situated to suffer the full impact of all the evil and suffering of disease. The church is ideally situated to suffer the full impact of the evil and suffering of disease. Learning caring and acceptance as a redemption of love. But, sadly, instead, he saw much Christian love, love, he calls it, as little more than a superior brand of human kindness based upon the suppression of bad feeling. So this doctor of psychology, he's observing Christian love and he's saying it's just a little bit more kindness and they're just suppressing bad feelings. We're killing people with kindness, he's saying. We're killing people with kindness rather than accepting them and loving them for who they are. Now, don't misunderstand me. We're called to be gentle in spirit. Being kind is great. Be nice. Brandon's not saying be mean. But we're really called to love like Christ, sacrificially, recklessly, fully, with our whole heart and soul. What is the way of the cross? What does Christ mean when he says we need to daily take up our cross? He means we need to die to what we feel we have the right to. You might feel you have the right to be treated better than you just were. How many times have you thought or heard others say, I don't have to sit here and listen to this. I don't have to take this from you. You know, my children really need to treat me better. My friends should be more thoughtful or caring. Or how about, I'm having a hard time making friends. Am I saying that you should be a doormat? No, absolutely not. But I am saying we need to learn as a church not to take other people's sins personally. 
when they hurt us, we tend to take that on ourselves. When they sin against us, when they're sinning, we tend to take that on ourselves. But Jesus already took their sin on the cross. Don't take on that sin. It's not about you. When someone else sins, we're offended. But that sin is not about you. That's their sin. It's not yours to take on. When we take that on, we're taking away from Christ because that sin was already died for on the cross. Jesus already paid for that sin. You can recognize that it's their sin, identify it, recognize that it's not about you, but Christ is there to protect you. It just bounces off of him. It goes onto the cross. That's the armor of God when people talk about that. When you read that in Scripture, if we don't choose to follow Christ in his sacrificial love, we're choosing not to be his disciples. We're acting against his church. We choose to experience pain because it proves our love for that person. It is painful when someone sins against us. I'm not saying it's not painful. It takes a while to learn how to not take that in, though. When someone loves you and accepts you in all your failings, even when you've hurt them, for example, you hurt them, then they would healthily address it. And then you reconcile, and your relationship is stronger. One quick note Okay, this is for free. This is a little free note. The person that hurt you might not be ready to reconcile. You may be ready to reconcile for Jesus, but they may not be. Our job is to show mercy, that our hearts go out to them because we know we're not perfect and you can't judge them for not being ready. Because God is in control of that. You, you can say to yourself, when this happens, you say to yourself, what they did, I could have done that. I, I have done things like that. I could go there. I've hurt my friends. I've hurt my loved ones. You don't judge them. And just because you're ready to reconcile doesn't mean they are. And we can just let go of control of that and invite God to work in that person. That's what we do. So if they're not ready to reconcile, but we are, we just recognize that God, you are in control. You're the one that's the redeemer, the healer of relationships in us. I invite you to work in this relationship and I'm prepared to reconcile when they are. And I'm doing everything I can to honor them and you love them in your interactions, you don't take it personally, even if they've hurt you. A lot of the time, we want to force a reconciliation. But what we're really trying to do is control that person. And who are we trying to take control away from? God. We need to give God control over that person in that relationship. And we choose to love because we're not perfect. 
We accept people's imperfections because we're not perfect. We're not. And so we accept others' imperfections. Our acceptance proves our love for them. And it proves the love of Christ to them. Christ on the cross is proving his love for us. We reflect Christ on the cross when we love. So we come back to Carl Sandburg's poem. I don't think he was addressing it to himself or to Christ. I think he was addressing it to the church. He wrote, Take up your cross and go the thorn way. And if a sponge of vinegar be passed to you on a spear, take that too. Souls are made for endurance. God knows. I came across a song yesterday. I was listening to... Emily Sanday, and I'd never heard this one, even though it had been in my song library for over a year. And it felt like it was written from God, directly speaking to us. So listen and see if you can hear God's voice speaking to you. I was just going to preach this week, and I wasn't even going to sing. And then I was like, got to do it. Coming back from the uh, from Bridger, taking my daughter skiing lessons. Take your picture, then I won't waste your time. See, maybe I'm too quiet for you. You've probably never noticed me. But if you're too big to follow rivers, how are you ever going to find the sea? So follow me, I'll be your river, river, I'll do the running for you. Follow me, I'll be your river, river, I'll move the mountains for you. Follow me, I'll be your river, river, I'm here to All you want are answers to your questions. 
You can't seem to find no love for free If you're looking in the right direction Then my friend, look for me See, I can make the load much lighter I just need you to confide in me But if you're too proud to follow rivers How you ever gonna find the sea? So follow me I'll be your river, river I'll do the running for you Follow me I'll be your river, river I'll move the mountains for you Follow me I'll be your river, river I'm here to keep you floating Follow me I'll be your river, river River, river, yeah Wherever you're standing I will be by your side Through the good, through the bad I'll never be hard to find standing I will be by your side through the good through the bad I'll never be hard to find so follow me I'll be your river, river. I'll do the running for you I'll be your river, river I'll move the mountains for you Follow me I'll be your river, river I'm here to keep you floating Follow me I'll be your river, river Your river standing I will be by your side through the good through the bad I'll never be hard to find You can set your things aside, get into a posture of prayer. God, we thank you for your work on the cross. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you that you came down, put on flesh so that you could know our hurts, our pains that you could take on the sin, our sin on the cross and the ways that we are not perfect, the ways that we fail. 
took all of that on. You knew it, you know, you understand, you've experienced, you've experienced it, and you're closer to us than anyone else could be. We thank you that that is true, that you are a God and the God who reveals himself to us through the cross. And around Journey, we like to give people an opportunity to respond to God. You may have never responded to God. This may be new. This may be the first time you've heard the message in this way and understood the love that God has and the invitation to follow him and learn how to love like him. And so we want to give you a moment to pray to respond to him. And then the prayer would sound something like this. You can pray along. God, we f- I thank you for your death and resurrection that you came down. I thank you for all that you've done for me and for everyone. That I might know you, that I might know your love. We thank you And we honor you today. Help me learn to follow you. Know that it's not about being perfect, but it is about being sacrificial. It is about being generous, and I want to be generous. God, don't want to be selfish. And with everyone, with eyes closed, heads bowed, If that's your first time making a decision like that for Christ, we want to give you the opportunity to raise your hand today. Make that statement to start something new. So you can raise your hand if that's your first time. Make sure and catch my eye so I can see you. You can do that now. good and he loves us and he showed us in the greatest way possible God we thank you and pray your blessing over your church and as we learn to love like Christ to follow the way of the cross we learn how to love sacrificially I pray for our children and youth as they watch us and learn how to apply this kind of love and to choose to love sacrificially. Amen. May God bless you.